Drive Time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield. And on today's show, it's the film review episode, the autopsy from the game, looking at the Jets' corpse in this one. The tape has been grinded, grounded, ground. The numbers are up. The big plays are broken down. The top five tapes have been decided. We go under the microscope for the Dolphins 34, the Jets 13. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is the Drive Time Podcast. We start with the big play breakdowns as we do each week here on the Monday All-22 Review Podcast. And we start with the, was it like the fifth play of the game? The fourth play of the game? It's a deep shot to Tyreek Hill in the first quarter with 11-21 to play. So Dolphins' third play offensively of the day. Third and eight. And I think this play, the reason I start with it is I think it's super instructive going forward for this Dolphins team. And here's why I think it's so massive that this and a later play to Jalen Waddle are now on tape for this Dolphins offense as recently as week 12. So it starts off third and eight, a three by one set, and the Jets are impressed man across the board with a middle of the field safety who his only intention after the snap based upon his body position and really just his disposition in general is to squat on and wall off Waddle, who is the three to the field, which means he's the furthest inside closest to your right tackle no your left tackle on this play to the wide side of the field he's preventing the crossing route the deep over plays that we hit explosives on all the time with another linebacker who's taking away the running backs two-way go so what this means is you have some receivers who are one-on-one and Tyreek is one of those guys who has a one-on-one matchup as the two to the field so Jalen's the three inside, Tyreek's the next, and then Braxton is the one out furthest. He also has a one-on-one. So if you're going to play that coverage, the ball has to go long to Tyreek. It just absolutely has to. Most teams don't do this because, well, you've seen what happens when they do it. We hit 30-plus yard plays. Most of the time, we hit 60-plus yard touchdowns when that happens. We usually beat it, and we did it again right here. But against this defense that can really disrupt, they know that our bread and butter has been the middle of the field passing game, the intermediate passing game, and that's what they're doing, trusting that they can bracket the two-way goes, press and disrupt the one-way goes, and get home with their four-man rush. Because Tua has been dotting these vertical shots right in the bucket, You just can't cover that, so you have no good solution. And what does McDaniel always say? If they take something away, it opens up something else. So because we've been so damn good the last two years hitting those inbreakers and chunk gains, take that away, we have to hit verticals. So Reek, or rather DJ Reed, I should say, is in pretty good shape on this play, but Tua throws this thing with one hitch timing, perfect footwork, lets it go with Tyreek two yards in front of DJ Reed. That's two yards before the old he's even, he's leaving saying at the 33 yard line. And Reek catches it now just one yard beyond DJ Reed at the other 46. That's 25 air yards. It's an inch away from a 72 yard touchdown. I think that Reed got lucky on the tackle quite personally. That's a game changer, man. I'm so glad it's on tape now. And it shows up again in the beginning of the second half 
and allow me to tell you why this one is even better. So quarter three, 14-04 to play, third and three. Deep shot to Waddle for, I think it was 35 yards on the play. So they walled off the crosser the first time, right, from that press man free look, single high free safety, press coverage across the board, try and get disruption on the routes in the beginning, try and take away the hot routes and the quick answers to a potential pressure look and get home with your front four. But now they're going to go zero to the field, Last time it was zero to the boundary. Now they're zero to the field and they bring that safety over to the boundary because guess who's there? Tyreek Hill. We can't let Tyreek Hill get vertical on us here. And this is why it's so nice to have two number one wide receivers. This time DJ Reed has press and he has help. So the short stuff to him is out. Reed's going to squat and play short and let him get on top vertically. Probably not going to throw vertically because he does have a help up top. But you've seen him beat that bracket before. But against this look, it's not bracket. It's more trail and funnel. So, which, you know, play under, funnel to the deep stuff. Bracket is inside, outside. Don't let him get, you know, either leverage on you. So, for now, you have Sauce Gardner against Jalen Waddle, who is a better player. So, Sauce tries to mirror Waddle, but he can't run with 17. So, it's just straight gas off the line of scrimmage for the fade where you're evenly split between the numbers and the hash mark. Uh, on your pre-snap alignment, and then you catch the football outside the number. So you kind of give yourself all that space to operate with and fade away from the inside leverage of the defensive back. And again, Tua lets this thing go and waddles at his own 37, and he makes the catch at the other 41. That's 24 yards of anticipation with tra uh, trajectory under the football, and he couldn't have walked that thing down there and placed it any better. Plus, Waddle survives contact and the ground with the catch. That is him. That is, in fact, him. Just me. The next big play is a 34-yard touchdown scamper from Raheem Moster in the fourth quarter with four minutes to play. I don't have a profound breakdown here on this one. It's a hat on a hat. Liam's connected. Lester gets connected. Smythe widens a gap with his block. Lamb holds a seal. Connor gets a two-piece, a catch and climb. And then it's patience, good track and vision, and speed to daylight from Raheem Mostert. You spent 56 minutes asserting your will on this front, and this was you breaking them down and putting the dagger in their proverbial chest. Good stuff, good night. And then finally, the defensive play. What else would it be besides the Holland pick six? We've been over this at length so far, but Holland, the catch. Phillips comes flying back into the frame downfield to help ensure that Javon does not get tripped up at his own 30-yard line. And then we've discussed Christian Wilkins' 12-yard drive block puts Brees Halls back on the turf at MetLife Stadium. Bradley Chubb gets a key block. Jerome Baker gets two critical key blocks. Cam Smith comes flying back into the frame. So does Nick Needham. And then Javon Hall with that move on Timmy Boyle, Coyle McPoyle. Six, game changer. Good night. Put it in the books. Let's go ahead and talk about the top five tapes, though. First here, number one, Jalen Phillips gets the first tape of the night. We're going to miss this guy, man. He was playing so good, so effective, so powerful, so inspired. And we're going to miss him because they tried to crack him opening play. What does he do? Just takes the receiver out wide and basically forces him all the way to the perimeter and then just chucks him and gets back inside and gets in on the play. He then later on, like a couple of plays later, absorbs a kickout block, climbs over with a little swim move for a tackle for loss. The next drive, the first play, they try to block him with a tight end, just dispatch him in two, sec 
two tenths of a second rather. And then he just sprints to the quarterback and man, the closing speed he had to the quarterback on that play. I'm not sure I've seen a faster edge in football. It's a blur how quick he was moving. I still think the blind flip that Tim Boyle had on that play should constitute as grounding because the spirit of the rule is you shouldn't just get to kind of ground the football. And he wasn't, he didn't know what he was doing. He should have paid for that mistake. And also if you watch it, like JP for sure pulled up on that because if he just ran through the sack, he probably has the same roughing the passer call he got on Herbert last year. But if he does that, he might bulldoze Boyle into a uh, forced fumble and a touchdown there for the Dolphins. So I understand why he did it, but man, football, eh, bring back hitting quarterbacks, man. That's how I feel about it. But then the very next play, uh, or very next possession, I should say, he chases the play away from him on that dropped pitch for a, a six-yard TFL. Like, he shouldn't have been on that play. The very next series, he makes the right tackle look like a tight end and just runs through him and then swats a pass. He was doing this all night long. What a game for Jalen Phillips. We'll see him again next year. But, man, we are going to miss that guy. He gets the top tape of the game in his last game in 2023. Our second best tape goes to another Jalen, Jalen Waddle, And this was almost... Some foreshadowing from last week when I told you guys that he was in the top five tapes after having a four for 54 day because this dude's playing his ass off right now. And what a time to have him kind of accelerate into 2022 version of Jalen Waddle. First of all, the physicality is all the way back. I'm not saying it wasn't before, but I think the accumulated injuries, kind of the, you know, slow ease back in approach they had, had to have had a little bit of an impact a physical run to drop his shoulder and run through a man on the opening pop pass that he got. Those little set hut, catch the football, pop it forward to Waddle on the jet sweep, and he goes off the edge, drops the shoulder, runs through a tackler. The next play is a now screen, and Tyreek gets the football, and he gets one Jets defender to the ground and then completely seals off a second, comes off the block flexing like he does. This me. Mention the love of the game routes, right? That Durham 10-yard catch on the second drive. The boundary safety is, again, squatting and walling off the front side crosser. That was their entire game plan, which the Jets' game plan was strange to begin with because they played light fronts against this undermanned Dolphins interior offensive lineman, or offensive line, I should say, and just only were concerned about crossing routes where they didn't realize that and probably watching Stephen A. Smith and Stephen Ruiz and all these guys, non-Dolphins fans on Twitter, who think that Tua cannot throw the ball to the perimeter. Maybe he's listening to that stuff. I don't know. But the game plan was very generic in that sense. But the Dolphins responded to how to take advantage of the overplay. So Waddle on this play takes the inside release and presses his stem. So your stem is like how you get vertical, how you get up the field. He presses this thing right at the safety and it causes some indecision, but also forces a natural pick where he has to climb over the top of that. That's being a great teammate. That's giving great effort. That's winning football. On the nine-minute drive, we converted a third down and a pop pass to Tyreek, and Waddle once again drove his corner off the edge eight yards, then flexed again to his sideline, and that's not even talking about the catches he made. He had 14.3 yards per target. He had 4.07 yards per route ran. That's insane levels of production. In fact, he and Tyreek had the highest combined YPPR by two teammates in a game this season since week one when they did it against the Chargers. So, just 36 of his 114 yards were yak. He caught the football. He got speed down the field. He blocked, He did everything in this game. Jalen Waddle, 
your second best tape. Your third best tape is another J name, but it's Javon. Jalen, Jalen, and Javon. Sounds like a jam band. Uh, it starts with the pick six, obviously. Completely changed the complexion of the game. A deflating moment, deflating, deflating moment for the opposition. But throughout the game, you just see the secondary constantly shifting in unison. A ton of pre-snap communication where he, he's the one barking out the orders. The way he closes down on routes at the top of the stem to take away options for the quarterback to get him off that read, to mess up the timing of the passing game and create another third uh, three-tenths of a second for your pass rush, and that's all this front needs. It's why I was so adamant that just a little bit more cornerback help and they go get Jalen Ramsey, would help this pass rush so much. And you're seeing why, because the back end is good. It's just when you had one weak spot, the quarterback knew where to go with it, and they could take advantage of it, and the pass rush suffered as a result. But while, or, uh, rather, Holland's coverage ability, he came from depth and shut down one run, the C gap that was super impressive with an open field tackle. He's having a phenomenal year, and it's the plays he makes that mostly occur where the ball doesn't even go towards him. So it's tough to notice if you're just watching the broadcast one time or if you have soup in your brains. No, I'm just kidding. That's a, that's a cheap shot. Uh, but most people watching football don't really know what they're watching, right? Like you don't know concepts. You don't know coverages. You don't know how those things attack each other. So when you watch him, maybe you don't see that impact. But on tape, it pops every single week. Number four, Christian Wilkins. When he's really taking his game to the next level to me where he has is the marriage between the moves and the quickness with his hands because he times up his punches and the placement at the exact same time. And those two things working in unison, it's like how mechanics work, right? It's like how an engine works. You have two pistons firing in opposite, you know, revolutions, and that's what creates the forward thrust. It's about creating momentum and generating leverage. And Christian Wilkins is like a freaking I don't know, a Maserati? What's the best machine out there? I don't know cars. Um, but he, the way he times up his punches in the placement, it pairs up with these hesitation steps, these crossover steps, the lateral agility he has. Because his first sack, he starts his rush towards the B gap. He's a two technique, head up over the right guard. And he starts his rush towards the B gap, which is the gap off of the right guard's right shoulder, right? Wider around to the quarterback. And this forces him to overset. But because he locked in his right hand on the middle chest plate, the minute he tries to generate force back the other way to the A gap back inside, the guard tries to run with him, but he's already pinned him in that place with his hand on the chest plate. And then he can use that left leg to cross over step. And then it gives him a free run to the quarterback. And from there, he's got one of the best 10 splits among defensive tackles. So you're talking about a tremendous, absolutely tremendous technician who has a first round skill set athletically and then he also has the desire of an undrafted rookie free agent trying to make a team you see that on the retrace against the Raiders to cut Hunter Renfro down 35 yards down the field on the block on Javon Holland's pick driving a running back 12 yards down the field for a key spring for a touchdown run there the unbridled joy when he makes a play or his teammate makes a play what a freaking player this guy is. He's one of the best Dolphins we've had in a long, long time. Three pressures, two stops, two sacks, six and a half sacks is a career high. Connor Williams is my fifth best tape of the game. I never get sick of watching this guy run from the far hash to the opposite numbers, 20 yards downfield, and squaring up a block like he's going against a guard who's a half yard away from him. The accuracy of that is it's like Tua throwing deep balls. Like he puts it right where it has to be, right? I've never seen an offensive lineman with his control in open space. It's 
so awesome to watch on the end zone copy of the all 22. And then when you pair that with his power in a phone booth, like he handled these dudes, Quinn and Williams, no chance. John Franklin Myers, come on inside and get your butt kicked. It didn't matter. He's on a heater right now playing maybe the best we've seen of him so far in his two years here. And that's crazy to say because the standard from him from the word go last year was a top five center in the national football league. One pressure allowed, it was a sack, his first of the year, but he did work in the running game all game long, critical first and second level blocks on so many key runs. Uh, Close but no cigar for the tapes this week. Tyreek was in there, but I wanted to go Waddle because I thought that his effort on the running game was just a little bit better. Uh, Tua's also in there. He's he's close to the top tape, if not for the pick six, quite frankly. I'll tell you about the other pick here in a minute. Alec Ingold was also in there. Raheem Moster also was close. I had the entire wide receiver room as I mentioned because of their blocking alone special shout outs to Cedric Wilson and River Craycraft I also put Xavier Howard and Jerome Baker in there in the close but no cigar category that's our time for our first break right there let's go ahead and come back on the other side and do offensive notes and defensive notes we'll also talk about snap counts and I have a soundbite from coach McDaniel I think you want to hear all that next drive time podcast your host Travis Wingfield brought to you by AutoNation <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Let's go ahead and kick off the offensive notes from the Dolphins' 34-13 win over the New York Jest, the Stige, uh, with a gripe. My only real gripe, aside from the end of the first half, was the first half short yardage, particularly the throw to Durham Smythe before the fourth and one field goal. And first off, like, hey, don't, don't run from who you are. Like, go for it. Go for it on fourth and one. I get that you want to get points there, especially against a team like this. But, man, you're going to convert that. Go for it, right? And also, hand it off. Like, Jeff Wilson had a first down on a give there, but we seemed to get really galaxy-brained on some of those spots consistently until we didn't late in the game. But hopefully, that's a sign of things to come. But the throw to Durham Smythe in that play, just bad operation all around, and it really ticked me off at the time, and especially watching it back on the notes. Let's go ahead and talk about Tua Tungavailoa. Those two throws, man. Like, really, really one throw. The second one was an equivalent to a Hail Mary. I'll explain that here shortly. But you take away that one really, really, really bad mistake. Terrible throw, terrible decision, terrible timing. In fact, I'll tell you why it was a bad, a bad throw. But this is easily the best tape against this vaunted Jets defense aside from that throw. But that throw still sticks in my freaking craw. We did the first deep shot breakdown in big plays, also the second one to Waddle. But I thought Tua had Tyreek on the third down before the fade drop on the opening drive to the back corner of the end zone. It's a bunch. Tyreek gets through the mess clean to the corner route on the opposite side, the cornerback squats. And so we've seen Tua make that throw a million times, working off the leverage. In fact, he makes that same throw later in the game to Waddle on a uh, third down conversion they hit where the ball kind of hung up for a little bit, but he makes a clutch catch. Similar type of leverage he threw against on this potential non-touchdown play here on the opening drive. I don't know why he didn't go there. It was condensed space of the boundary. Maybe that's why, but he had a touchdown pass to Tyreek Hill on the play before Tyreek Hill dropped the touchdown on the perfectly placed fade ball. So Tua and Tyreek mistakes on back-to-back plays to cost you six points. It's frustrating, but sometimes that happens. My next note, though, 
came on third and five at the start of the second quarter in a three nothing game where the Jets peel off into cover two from press. So cornerbacks pressed up in the face of the receiver. They're going to play the short cloud area and you're going to have two deep half field safeties up top. They play to their rules and expand from there as well as any defense we've watched on tape or I have, I should say like you see both sauce and Reed uh, feel the flat and there's nothing going to happen in that flat. So they start to get depth and that just expands their zone that they can cover. And it's really impressive how they do it. But for Tua, you know, Smythe and Berrios on this third and five play, they go in and out from this bunch. So then it gives Waddle a little glance behind the hook zone, behind those linebackers that want to, you know, rob that part of the field and force the quarterback into a different look. But it's there, but Tua has pressure. So he steps up and he winds up flat-footed and he winds up dropping the arm angle to like three-quarter and puts the ball right on Waddle, right on time. At this stage, you're 16 minutes into the game so far and you've seen Tua hit a dime on a nine route on third and eight, place a fade perfectly on fourth and goal for a should-be touchdown, and now evade a pressure to convert a third and medium. The picks, I know, the picks. But these are the kind of plays that we marvel with other quarterbacks about and say that they offset their turnover they had in the game because of plays like this, right? High-level stuff. Uh, he missed Tyreek, a little back throw on the back shoulder on a levels throw on play-action bootleg where the ball's just behind not very common for him, but he had that miss in this one. And then just a footwork observation here on a third and five conversion to Hefe. Here comes Bryce Huff shortening the corner once again. What a good player he is, by the way. Tua is in his drop back, but you see him do something I've clamored about since Bama, where he speeds up his drop. He expedites the process, operate quicker. And even if it's not quick enough, you've got the fastest trigger in the game where he can, the time Tua decides ball's coming out to the ball actually Coming out is the fastest I've ever seen. I think ever, maybe Marino, maybe Philip Rivers. Like that's the cat, that's the company that he keeps with the release. But his ability to throw with that speedy release accurately without the feet being right, the ball could not have been placed better. No one excels with these fine intricacies at the position the way that Tua does. Nobody does in the National Football League. Then we get to the corner route I talked about earlier. I mean, a third down masterclass here from Tua. The ball is out against the leverage of a cloud corner who's squatting on Tyreek underneath. A safety who couldn't quite get over the top because he has to kind of decipher the route concept, but Tua's doing it faster than he can, so he's playing before the defense can react. And the trail defender is still trying to stick to Waddle at the top of his stem. He hits this thing with his usual pocket anticipation but he ripped it off of one foot falling off to his left because of pressure in his face this is creating this is arm talent this is playing on time amidst the chaos man I'm, I'm so bummed that the pick is coming because this tape is spotless so far for QB1 I think the game plan was clear early on you knew your defense was going to limit scoring. You ran the football well, so set yourself up for third manageables, and your quarterback stepped up time and time again to convert those to stay on the field and keep the offense in scoring range really all game long. It's a plan a lot of teams have taken against this Jets defense because they squeeze everything and make you earn every inch, but you need to be sharp on third down to execute that plan. And in fact, Miami was 11 for 16, 69%. Only one other team was over 50%. That was the Cow, or rather the Chiefs. Uh, no, check that. The Eagles 
in that game they had a while back. The Bills are combined 10 for 26 against the Jets on third down. The Raiders were 5 for 15. The Chargers were 7 for 16. The Giants, 2 for 19. The Broncos were 4 for 10. The Chiefs were 7 for 12. So I have that stat wrong. The two teams were over 50%. Uh, the Patriots were 8 for 19. The Cowboys were 9 for 19. And the Bills were 5 for 13. So Tua against a tough defense. Again, Really played better than most of the quarterbacks this defense has seen this year. Okay, so two plays that stand out negatively from the rest. The first pick, let's talk about it. The slant-flat combination. It's the first combo you install every single year. The one receiver runs a slant in the middle. The two receiver runs a flat off of that. You try and catch that those two corners off that side in peril. Where Tua got in trouble here was that he wasn't on time. He pumped to the slant, and I think he really wanted to go there. In fact, it was open to Tyreek. I'm not sure what he saw, but something told him to clutch and then go to the flat. And by that time, Brandon Eccles had already kind of seen this play out, and he immediately started getting depth, or width, I should say, to the side of the field. And so Eccles is breaking on this ball before Tua throws it, and that's why I get on other quarterbacks for being terrible. Like, for Josh Rosen, this was consistent with him. For Zach Wilson, this happens every damn snap. For Tua, it never happens. It literally never, ever happens until this. That's why I'm so dumbfounded by it. And it's why watching other quarterbacks makes me immensely appreciate Tua even more because he just doesn't do that. He's not like that. And here he is doing it one time and he pays the ultimate price. I loved how McDaniel though, on the very next drive, got him going with two now throws, catch rock throw, screen to Waddle, screen to Tyreek. And then he rips a glance route to Waddle and you're back on target, back on time. Perfect location, low and away to protect him from the hit from the safety. Then we get a far hash out and this time it's on time and it works, but then we miss. And this, I think of this play like a Hail Mary. No timeouts, third and one, ball at your own 45-yard line. You need a yard to have a heave to the end zone on the next play because there's nine seconds left in the game, or the half. You have to get out of bounds. You have no timeouts. And the Jets know this, so they protect the perimeter. They put two defenders on the sidelines at the plus 40-yard line, 15 yards away. They have two high-shell defenders with three intermediate defenders taking away the middle of the field, I guess just there for tackling purposes. I'm not really sure. And then no pass rush with two corners manning up the mesh we ran. We ran two shallow crossers, one to either side of the field. So there's zero chance that Tua throws this ball if it's not the end of the half. Zero chance. And to compound it, he threw it too far inside, missed his spot. So those two picks, I think that's the first time all year either of those things happened late and a missed spot on a short throw. Hey, I'm glad he got him out of the way in this game when we destroyed an inferior New York Jets team. On the never-ending drive, he hit two third downs, including one of uh, off the, the similar rail glance concept, you know, the, the wheel route with the inside little slant that we run all the time off of RPO or off of play pass action. He slides to his left, and Tyreek is engaged on a press from DJ Reed, and Tua throws it like he's posted up in basketball. Like, I got my left arm pinning him, throw it to my right arm. Tua throws it off the off shoulder. Tyreek disengages, makes the catch, and then lays it off the glass for two points. JK. Uh, but just a really good example Again, of how Tua's understanding of leverage and placement makes him a high-level quarterback. I think his game, the ability to convert in obvious passing situations, the added creativity, the obvious high-level play from end structure, I came away from this tape the opposite of concerned about our passing game. I think it's only going to get better from here. The only thing that I, I concern that concerns me is just these self-inflicted errors. It happens far too frequently. There's still some time to iron it out, but it's incumbent upon them, on the team, on Tua, to get that sorted out. If they do, 
we're going to win the Super Bowl. That, that, that's, that's how I feel about it. If they get that figured out and they can play four clean games in January, they'll win the whole thing. PFF, 20-plus air yard throws, two for two for 67 yards. On 10-plus throws, he was six for seven for 162. Damn, what a game. Just that short right part of the field cost him. He was blitzed uh, just four times, got sacked once. He was one for three for 17. He was pressured four times, got both sacks, obviously, and then was one for two on those two plays uh, for... 17 yards also, I believe. So there you go. There's your two notes. Let's go ahead and take our last break. Come back on the other side, do the rest of the offense, do the defense. We'll also do the snap counts and our last quote from Mike McDaniel. That's all next. Drive Time Podcast, your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Third segment, we've only covered the quarterback, right? Now we did top five play, top five tapes, explosive plays as well. Let's go ahead and pick up the rest of the offense here, though, and start by just another mention of Cedric Wilson, Braxton Berrios, and the entire receiver's work in, in blocking. Cedric Wilson on a pop pass hip-tossed a guy to the ground. You don't see that very often in the offensive line, much less among wide receivers. Had a critical connect and pin on a second quarter run. It, it was just consistent. Excellent work. Without the ball in his hands, I see you said making big plays. Same for Braxton Berrios. Really, the whole room blocked their butts off. Add Durham Smythe to that mix as well. You missed him with the game that he was down, but he's critical to our perimeter success. Uh, Jeff Wilson, I thought, had one of his best games as a Dolphin. There was some more juice from him than we've seen. Great time from fresh legs, man. The, the route on the angle route that he ran to convert on third down, you add that with his ability and pass protection, but also to push piles and short yardage, having that skill set in the equation, I think gives you a chance to improve upon what has been the league worst short yardage. And I can tell you that's a, a good thing to have. Uh, Raheem Mostert thought he ran with real conviction, especially in the second half. I just love the way that he finishes runs, man. I thought his physicality was what brought the face mask on that third and a mile. Then he pays it off with the 14 yard touchdown, got off some blocks on that play from Julian Hill, Austin Jackson, Alec Ingold, Durham Smythe, Austin Jackson. I said that twice. Uh, Liam Eichenberg, Connor Williams. He just, he ran through three Jets defenders though at the eight and in for six. So Raheem continues to get yards after contact. Uh, Receivers, Tyreek, I mentioned Waddle already. But for Tyreek, you have to appreciate the concentration catches. A lot of fast guys struggle with that. It's, it's tough when you run 22 miles an hour and your head bobbles, you know, as you run. But he never drops those. Drop the ball in there. He keeps it on going. The first screen of the game, we are one of just one of three offensive linemen peeling back and getting a block on DJ Reed from a fun Tyreek screen touchdown. But then Tyreek did score on that little swing route from the backfield. Doesn't score there without creating an open field missed tackle. And then how can you be anything but appreciative of a potential 2,000-yard wide receiver, a potential league MVP who's asked to crack pin a 260-yard defensive end, and he does it like his life depends on it. Best trade in franchise history. 3.64 yards per route ran, 11.1 yards per target. Big yak game, 76 yards, 8.4 per catch on the day for Tyreek Hill. Alec Ingle was fantastic. He was head up on the linebacker in the gap 1v1 double-digit times, and I think he lost maybe one or two of those 
Really, really impressive stuff. On the offensive line, I think a generic statement is required here because they consistently had hat on a hat, moved guys against their will, and created big creases. Just a great game for the offensive line. Some notes here on Austin Jackson, who I thought had his worst game of the year, but here's why I'm going to tell you it's a good thing. Because on the second play of the game, on a play-action pass, they get him working laterally, and he thwarts the rush to the left, but Tua goes high-low to the right, comes back high-low to the left. Four reads for him on this play, and I bring this up because it's a long play. So Austin squeezes the four-eye technique inside, tries to rush inside of his left post. He then tries to spin back outside, and you just see Austin's feet, my favorite term, typewriter feet, baby, just tapping and allowing him to transfer that weight with ease. Then he spins back inside, and Austin does the exact same thing again. There's a drill in the combine in Indy, and he aced it with live action here, the, the rabbit drill, inside, outside, inside, outside. All that said, nobody gave him the issues that Bryce Huff did all year. And what I, I liked about it was the first move typically went Huff's way, but Austin just continuously responded time and time again and did enough to keep his quarterback clean. Sell out and make the block any way you have to. He did that against a very good player. All things told, Huff is a, an elite player. I love his game because when Jackson drew Franklin Myers, he made him obsolete in the game. Should also mention that Austin was bullying guys in the running game. Uh, Liam, his balance and strength looks noticeably better. He's not getting knocked off target. He's not falling as much. Still on the ground sometimes. He has a pretty good snatch trap move that he's been using that's been effective for him. Encouraged about Liam's growth here this season. How about Keon Smith coming off the bench on his first play, collapsing the edge for a third down run conversion? That's good stuff. I had two negative notes here. Lester Cotton, I think this game, along with the Raider game, has led to a very obvious conclusion to me that Liam Eichenberg should be the left guard when Hunt gets back. Or maybe it's Rob Jones when he's ready. I just know it's not 66 for me. There are far too many easy misses, not even tough assignments. Like an outside run to Jeff Wilson to the right, where you're... You, you got an awesome turn and pin from Liam, a perfect second-level block from Austin, a crack back from Sed, squared-up lead block from Alec, and yet a defensive tackle from the backside pursuit makes the play because we couldn't wall him off, just couldn't get in his way. I always talk about how difficult it is to get an outside shoulder of a defensive lineman who has you outflanked, like a reach block, right? The converse is true here. The two-eye technique shoots across the outside shoulder, and we let him just run right around us and go make the play. I don't know how big the play is if we execute that block, but when he's tackled there are three Jets defenders who have Dolphins hats on them. It's at least a 10-yard gain. It only went for two. It might have been 50. It might have been six. And this has happened multiple times the last couple of weeks. And then Teron Armstead just doesn't look right to me right now. That's not the player I'm used to seeing on tape the last two weeks. You can tell physically he's limited. I know he could keep pushing through, but makes sense to me to get him 100% for the stretch run. You know, Washington traded away their two best rushers and the Titans don't have an exterior rush. So to me, see you in week 14 for these Jets again, but we'll see what happens there. And then just tip of the cap across the board to key on at left tackle and right tackle. Kendall Lamb into the game late. Good stuff all around. In fact, PFF said that the Jets had uh, six total pressures in the game, two credited to Tua, um, but the, the six pressures was the lowest in the game for the Jets this year. They tabbed one to Smythe, to Tehran, to Connor, and to Austin. So clean sheets for Liam, Lester, Keon, and Kendall. And how about this, actually? The Jets' six pressures was their season low by eight. The, their previous low was 14. They came into the game averaging 23.1 pressures per game, but Miami held them 25% of their usual production while playing six different offensive linemen and having seven total guys play in the game on top of being down they're starting right guard, they're starting left guard, and their top interior swingman in Rob Jones. 
pretty damn good. Defensively, uh, going to keep this brief because it was dominant. Everybody won their matchup. The team played fast, inspired, and the Jets did not get a whole lot done. Like, there wasn't a ton schematically that jumped off the tape in this game. It was just overwhelming 1v1 domination across the board for the majority of the snaps. I thought the connectivity in the back end was great. I thought the way the front seven is playing together up front stands out a lot. Three of our top five tapes were guys right here, Christian, Javon, and Jalen. So I lumped a lot of this together, starting up front with Raekwon Davis, who I've been so impressed by. Two additions to his game this year, where I think he's better. Planting his feet into the ground against doubles and holding up, not getting ran backwards. And then also the balance to get down the line when he has a chance to make more plays in one-gap situations or single blocks and making those gaps and, and creases for the back to choose from much more tighter. The more I watch this, it's, it's just rinse, repeat, man. Sealer getting one-on-one wins. Ogba came in and did it too. Van Ginkle got his. I think my biggest takeaway from this tape is that the scheme is becoming second nature to these guys more and more each week. They're all winning in ways where I think they're making feel plays. Like I talked to Bradley Chubb about this for the breakdown I did on YouTube. Go check it out. How you can pick spots where you can get off your gap or cheat the scheme a little bit. And it's based upon how you can anticipate where both the opponent is going and what the guy next to you is doing. Obviously, it requires a lot more context, but the gist of it is that that that's the gist of it. And man, it's been consistent all game long. And these guys are they're just getting after it. Uh, Van Ginkle led the team with five pressures. Chubb had three, also had two stops, including a thwarted cut block in the first play of the game that I loved. And one of the most violent hits on a pulling guard I've seen in a long time. Ogba had three pressures and Wilkins and Hand both had two pressures of their own as well. I thought Jerome Baker's closing speed to the perimeter really popped in this game. I also love the way he anticipated the passing game, which isn't something he's done in the past to me. Whether he was in coverage from the start or sneaking around the line of scrimmage to bail out and bluff that rush, he would get to the flats quick and hit the backs before they could build up speed as runners after the catch. He also led the team with three stops and had a pressure and, of course, the pick. In the secondary, I just noted that Cater consistently plays with anticipation and physicality, which is a perfect combination for a slot cornerback. The entire secondary worked so well in concert. There just weren't many concepts that ran a route into you know, one player. It was constantly getting ran to multiple guys. We constantly had the numbers advantage in terms of max pro versus limited rush or vice versa. I think the communication has really clicked here. I think Deshaun Elliott played another damn good game. I think X looks as smooth as he has in a long time. I think Jalen Ramsey is just a black hole until teams want to actually throw at him and you see what happens there. Not a lot of chances here, but it was so consistently in tight phase, engaging guys physically at the LOS. That's the dentist system, apparently. Uh, great overall effort from this group. And PFF had Cater with 44 coverage snaps, allowed 17 yards. X, 38 coverage snaps, zero yards, uh, one target, no catches. And Ramsey had three catches allowed for 25 yards on 38 coverage snaps. And before we get into snap counts here, that's the end of the notes there. Before we get into snap counts, I wanted to give Coach McDaniel the opportunity to clear the air about that weird story that Al Michaels told on Friday night about how he met his wife. Not exactly how it went down, Al. Here's what Coach McDaniel had to say about that. I would say the uh, skeleton of the story is correct. Um, but uh, there's a couple important caveats. First of all, um, the, the, the perceived threat that I made to a player uh, about, um, was, uh, was over, over the top a joke, um, considering both he and I knew that as a running back coach, I had no, uh, I had no ability to say if he was there or not. Um, it was more in jest. Um, and then second of all, uh, I, you know, my wife was telling me that people are talking about me stealing people's girls. 
the dude had met her for 45 seconds. Uh, uh, it was a special place in her memories, but I, I don't think it was, um, I, I, I was, I don't know, it was, I wasn't nearly the, I feel like I was painted out to be kind of a, 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 a D-bag. And it wasn't like that at all. It was, it was all, it was all niceties. We were celebrating as a team and, um, it was something that, uh, I, I think Stephen Barkley, the, the player that was dancing with her, was well aware when I when I made that joke and jest that it was more important to me than it was to him. So, um, and I th- I'm pretty sure I was right, right? I mean, I have a family now. <laughs> like, good decision. Won her over. Clearly, <laughs> it had nothing to do with anything. It wasn't my my uh, physical disposition. I promise you that. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a it was a cool lighthearted story that I th- uh, that I felt like took a turn. So I appreciate you following up. Uh, like, yikes! This, uh, this, this pales in comparison in the grand scheme of important things that happened in your life in, in light of that story. But uh, Kendall Lamb's back. <laughs> I had to leave that last part in there because Barry finished up with a great follow-up question about Kendall Lamb and the delivery of that line of Kendall Lamb was hilarious. So I wanted to keep that in there. Okay, snap counts for the game. So we had four offensive linemen go the distance, right? Or not quite because Austin Jackson got tossed from the game. But uh, most of the guys went the distance. Tua played all but one snap because they gave Mike White a snap there at the end, which is hilarious, by the way. Um, So Kendall Lamb had eight snaps and... Keon Smith played 21, a career high for him. At receiver, Waddle led the way, 46 snaps. That was two-thirds of the reps. Tyreek played 44 snaps, so just below that. And then Berrios, the next man up at 54%. Cedric played 40%. River played 35%. So good work from the entire receiver room here in this one. At running back, Raheem got the bulk of the workload at 60% of the snaps. Jeff Wilson, 33%, a good little uh, workload for him getting worked back into things here. And then Darrington Evans had five snaps before he fumbled and never saw the field again. Ingold played 30% of the snaps in this one. At the tight end position, Durham Smythe, welcome back, 77% of the snaps. Julian Hill played 30%, and then Tyler Croft got 9% of the snaps in there at the end. And that's it, right? And then defensively, so no one went the distance. Nice to get some rest there. Xavier, Cater, and Jalen all played 48 snaps. Javon Holland played 44. Bradley Chubb played 46 off the edge. Of course, Phillips was right there with him, played 35 before he got hurt and had to exit. But also off the edge, um, let's see, Ogba played 14 snaps in the game, so you'll probably see more of him going forward. But Van Ginkle gets the big boost, I think, going forward as well. 29 snaps for him. He has to kind of, I guess, get some less off-ball linebacker snaps now that we're going to be playing more edge. Uh, up front, Wilkins and Sealer, their usual work, Wilkins, 37 snaps, Sealer 32. Actually, everyone got a reduction of workload here, so great job to get some rest in this game. Uh, David Long played two-thirds of the snaps in this one. Javon Holland played three-quarters of the snaps. Nick Needham got 12 snaps. Cam Smith got 11 snaps. Elijah Campbell got 10 snaps. Cam Good got 10 as well, and Justin Bethel saw one. So honestly, not much to take away from all that except for to say they destroyed the Jets, which is cool to see. But that is your podcast. That is your breakdown. Lengthy, as always, here on a Monday. Uh, In the meantime, that's going to be my time. We'll be back on Wednesday for the preview of the Commandos. 
We'll do that on Wednesday. But you all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Follow me on social at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank podcast with my guys, Seth and Juice. Check out the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and so much more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up. Carolina Cameron, Daddy. Let's go.